Are you seeking to broaden your horizons, to stay relevant and become future fit? Do you want to fuel your creativity and inspire innovation? Or are you simply looking to put the kapow back into your business? Then look no further. Join Carmen Murray, entrepreneur, innovator, and tech fundi with her big personality and presentation style as she interviews celebrities, alchemists, newsmakers, and business experts to discover the stories behind their success. The Carmen Murray Show will open your mind and help you turn knowledge into magic. Let knowledge be your superpower. And now, from Solid Gold Studios, here's your host, Carmen Murray. Hey, 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 Fugitive Tribe, welcome to yet another episode. And today I'm super excited because I am, for the first time in a long, long time, I can say, Antonio, because I used to work on the ships and I used to be amongst a lot of Italians and it was my favorite thing to say, Antonio. But anyway, I'm sitting here with Antonio Iozzo and he is a serial entrepreneur. He's a mogul, but more importantly, he's been nominated as the Instant Young Entrepreneur of the Year. He's got about 15 companies and he's rocking it out there, but he's also doing a lot of brave and bold moves. And I thought it would be an interesting time to actually bring Antonio in for us to try and untap the mindset behind being a successful entrepreneur. So without further ado, Antonio. Yep. Welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> so how did you find the drive on the way here? No, drive was good. Oh, because I thought you were going to shoot me down because I'm wasting too much of your time. I haven't be been so to the side of Randburg in a long time. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Right, so before we get started, maybe just give us a little bit of a landscape of what is the Antonio World all about at the moment? So my main businesses are made up of primary businesses and insurance company, construction company, and fitness facility. There are various businesses that revolve around those three entities, but those are the main three. Okay, so if we can just look, for example, in South Africa, we know that the small businesses are vital to the economy. And we've seen a big trend happening right now in terms of people trying to open businesses and everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. But in your view, do you think that's a good move? I think that's exactly what this country needs is more entrepreneurs, more guys that are actually not placing their whole future on, on an academic career and are actually getting out there and finding ways to actually start their own business. Totally agree with you. I think also getting into the hustle, you'll find that most employers actually only employ people that's got a high level education and a lot of experience. So and yeah, how do you I'm, get there? I'm totally different. I know, that's what, that's what makes it cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll take, I mean, we run a program and we take guys straight out of matric um, and we run an internship and we put them through their studies while they work and they end up with their degree, their BCom in insurance but they're earning money as they go. Yeah, it's that flexible learning. That's really, really important. I'm doing flexible learning. Yeah, you go. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's hard work. I'm not going to lie. But okay, let's go back a bit. When you were a boy, what was your aspiration? What did you want to become? I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, wow. So when I was a kid, I used to breed fish and I used to sell it to the local pet shop. And that's all I wanted to be, a marine biologist. How do you breed fish? I just want to know. <laughs> so I had a whole lot of fish tanks yeah. and you put the male and the female together and make sure. 
you make sure that the environment is really perfect for them and then they they breed really? and lay eggs yeah okay well um we've got pigeon problems we've got pigeons um creating and mating um <laughs> at our house and we can't get rid of them but anyway let's not go there if you were wanted to be a marine biologist i just want to try and understand what was that big moment, that big shift? What happened that you decided, okay, I want to start my own business? And, and take me through growing up and the journey of entrepreneurship for you. No, I don't think there was any big moment. Um, my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was about 10. And he stopped working when I was about 13. And me and my butt had to go and get jobs to help my mom pay the bond and just the general expenses. So I ended up working at a local pizza shop as a pizza man and I started earning money and really from the time that I started earning my own money was the point where I didn't want to be in school anymore so I ended up working more and more in the restaurants and going to school less and less and eventually in standard nine I left JP boys and I ended up going to hotel school and I wanted to be a chef that was my big aspiration I decided I want to cook and I want to open up a restaurant and I want to be a chef. And do you cook? I do. Um, my wife cooks better than me, but uh, I, <laughs> my first year of marriage was really tough because I told her this is the way I want my food. And uh, I ended up teaching her how, how I like my meals done. And she's just surpassed me now. And she's really awesome. I love that. Um, and also, I think it's so important to also cook together. Yeah, I know. No, it's such it's a lifestyle. Awesome. So, yeah, I've got two years... I got qualified as a chef, finished hotel school. My mom then took her pension and took extra money on the bond. And we opened up a restaurant here in, in Cresta, uh, here in Rainberg. And within a year, we lost everything. The restaurant closed down. I had the bouncers from the bottle store come and beat me up because we had the money. I had the sheriff of the court come to the house to come and attach the furniture. And basically, we lost everything. That was like probably the lowest point, but that was really a good a good learning curve for me, especially at the age of 19, to deal with all these problems that most 19-year-olds never get to deal with. It's quite intense, and I think that also speaks to the time that we're living in. It's like when your biggest moments of growth actually helps when you're under tremendous pressure and when things are uncomfortable. There was this rabbi, um, it's a video going viral about, he was talking about lobsters growing and then when, as they start growing into their shell and getting uncomfortable, they go under a rock. Okay. And then they get a new shell and then they come out again. And every time they outgrow their shell, then they become bigger and bigger. But it's this whole process. Of growing. Of growing. Okay. And that's kind of like what you've gone through um, beginning in your career. So you then go through this tremendous trauma and then what was the next step for you? So after the restaurant failed, I needed to go get a job. And I ended up at a company doing customer satisfaction for the motor industry and for Hyundai in particular. So if you were a customer and you took your car for service, I would be that guy that would phone you up and ask you the 10 special service questions. Oh, then you also get in trouble. Like everybody screams at you when they don't get the Yeah, phone. the phone. Oh. I think yeah, that's where I learned where you can got a rhino skin because people just put the phone down shout at you start telling you their problems and I did that for about a about a year and then I got an opportunity to work at an insurance brokerage which I knew nothing about but what I did know is I didn't want to be in the uh, calling these customers uh, that have just taken their car for service 
So anything would, would have been better than that. I mean, you have to go through the process. So I also used to work a lot in sales and you really need to have that tough skin, as Definitely. you say. And it's so hard because it's like the, that nose and nose and nose all no, the time. Those are the, those are the best ones. Oh, when, I hated when a, it. When a person really shouts at you and says no, and then you manage to convert <laughs> them to a client because of your tenacity and you just come at them at different angles. And yeah, I mean, I didn't take that rejection as a bad thing. Just Don't a challenge. Don't you think it's harder these days because nobody wants to pick up the phone? I think the guys are too scared nowadays. Yeah. Um, they are ex- absolutely so fearful of cold calling. It's mm. like most people's biggest fear. Yeah, it's like probably that and I'm speaking on stage. Like yeah. For some people, it's like, <laughs> it's really crazy. But I mean, I read that True Caller, the True Caller app yeah. got hacked last week. Okay. Ah. So what now? You can't see who's who's calling you. You can't see. I mean, what a blessing for the insurance companies. Now you need to get like an extra hundred salespeople. I think the worst are these robocalls that you know. Oh, get. my gosh. I mean, how so crazy. do they generate any business? I mean, no one wants to talk to a robot. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and, and people think that it's cool and it's just making the workforce less. And at the end of the day is human to human connection is so, so important and connecting with human beings. And and one thing about me is I am an extrovert and lockdown for me was very hard because I pull my energy from people. Sure. And I'm also an empath. So I absorb when people's negative energies around me, then I also can absorb that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, for me, it was, I don't have that positive energy around me or, or energy that I can pull. And I really went into a stage where, it almost became a habit that 21 days, after 21 yeah. days, it became a habit that you didn't want to go out. You don't want to talk to people. Oh, you get stuck in your little comfort zone. And in your scary. So, Yana, I definitely agree with you. Personal service, personal touch. And I think a lot of businesses are moving away from that. They are just wanting to do less. Um, so, like within my businesses, there's no answering machine. You get a human person as you phone. Human interaction. You get all my staff have got their cell phone numbers on their email signatures. Oh, wow. My guys are always available, um, which I think is a real, one of the big successes uh, to my business. Totally. So let's just quickly talk about some of the biggest lessons that you've learned. I mean, entrepreneurs make a lot of blunders and I can tell you one of my biggest blunders is saying yes to everything in the beginning when I started my business. Like I didn't have boundaries. Like I was like, okay, yes for this, yes for that. And all of a sudden when you need to start focusing on the right stuff. You're focusing on the wrong stuff because you feel, oh, I promised this one, this and this, that person, this thing, and now you want to do everything and it just keeps you away from making money. But what other blunders and stuff do you think entrepreneurs are making out there? I think they're not taking risk. A lot of guys are trying to get into business with the least amount of risk. And it's in that risk taking that you actually learn your business skills and you get your skill set. I think the number one thing is to actually dive in, take risk, be uncertain about what the future could hold because that's how you're going to learn and that's how you're going to grow. I think it's so true what you're saying because I think uncertainty is they say run, always run towards the fear. Where you're scared, run towards fear and run towards the fire because underneath that dragon is where the gold lives. Yeah, definitely. And it is sometimes difficult and and I think businesses are different though. Your services industry is very different to, for example, a product industry. Okay, mine is very small in comparison to you, but I have this dream I want to do these candles. I'm like, they're very, very naughty candles, but I want to do them. But importing and the, that whole process, the weight of importing those products makes it so expensive 
by the time it lands in South Africa. That makes it a little bit of a harder business to take risk on. No, definitely. I think you still, yeah, you do need to weigh up your, your risk and reward. But I also think the younger you're able to take risk when you've got nothing to lose, it's easy to risk. Mm. And as people get older and older, so the appetite for risk gets smaller and smaller. So my advice is take risk when you're young. Try stuff out. Even if you fail, you really have got nothing to lose and you've got everything to gain. So we're sitting currently with an unemployment rate um, in South Africa of 31%, and I think about 63% of those unemployed people are youth between the ages of 20 to 34 years old. And I know this because I'm busy studying and doing research on it, but apparently the youth is suffering from psychological distress. So you need psychological capital, hope, confidence, resilience, and self-belief in order for you to perform, get a job, and to do well at your interview, and to perform in whatever you do. When you have psychological distress, it stems from unemployment, because now you don't have hope, you don't feel motivated, and so many programs are created for the youth. But if you go a step down to the foundation or the root of the problem, the people are so demotivated and don't have any confidence. So you, you're giving them something on a silver platter, but they don't believe they can do it. What is your views on that? Because it is a problem. Listen, my view on the current generation, I think they're called Generation Z, the youngsters, is that they're all about experiences, mm. but not really about working. So they want to experience a lot. They want to see a lot. They want to go to a lot of places but they really have no idea about work ethic and what it takes to actually do a full day's work. And they don't want to commit. You know, they're, they're so scared of committing to something because just in case something better comes along around mm. the corner, they must be available. And I think it's a real problem, and I, I, I think it's just going to get worse at the moment. Um, mm. You know, when I was a kid, it was the done thing that you actually go and get a job when you're 16, whether you packing packets at checkers or you working as a waiter or waitress at a restaurant, you had a job. That's that's how you started. Nowadays, there's no such thing. I mean, kids just want pocket money from the parents and they want to go and study. And they come out of varsity at the age of 25, 27, haven't worked a day in their life. And a lot of them want to do another degree because it's quite easy just to move on into another degree and not have to face the real world. Mm. And it becomes really hard when, I mean, I, I learned the other way around. So I hustled. I started um, waitering when I was 16. I worked as a housekeeper um, yeah. on the ships. And that was just like, for me, it was amazing because I traveled 70 countries. It was just like absolutely amazing. But I went straight into hotel school. Um, and they even at the point when I went and they said to me, oh, but you don't have a, a Swiss degree in, um, as a hotelier. And I was like, well, I've got personality, isn't that what you want? <laughs> and they employed me and worked the hours, like the hours were so crazy. And I built myself up to the stage where I'm at now, and now I'm studying. And now my studies are actually easier because I have the experience and I actually can relate to the situation where I think if you haven't, if you haven't experienced or practiced something, it's like somebody that doesn't understand digital, that says, do it like this, 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 and then they do it like that, but they've never, ever tried to do it themselves. Yeah, they learn the theory, yeah. but they've had no practical experience. 
So yeah, a lot of businesses won't hire anyone unless they've got at least one degree. I think overseas in Europe, it's even worse. You need two or three degrees oh. before you even get looked at. And I just think it's definitely hindering our young guys from actually getting started. Mm. But unfortunately, I think it starts in the schools. And I, I think the schools are the guys that are pushing out these cookie cutter kids yes. that uh, have told them that the recipe to success is leave school, get a degree. If you don't get a degree, you're nothing. You're not going to succeed. And I think it's just putting a, a false narrative that there's no other way for them. Mm. I also think that if you look at, I mean, do you have any children? Yeah. Ask? Okay. So my son's 19 and my daughter's 15 turning 16 this year. They look so young. Like you can handle 20 early. more companies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, like, yes, I think I'm going to look like 80 by the time I'm 50. Um, but listen, on that note, like, also children, I think that the topics of conversation in school, I can't remember anything from school, to be very honest. I remember my friends, that's all. But, like, self mastery, that whole thing about, that whole thing about seeing a therapist or seeing a psychologist, that seems crazy, you know? Yeah, no, nowadays, that's what they recommend for your kids if they're holding the pencil wrong. They must go and see a therapist because there could be some deeper meaning. I mean, I think, I think it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but there's two sides to it, though, I think. I think there's there's the one side where it should be okay for you to – because, you know, in the heydays, they used to think you're cra- if you go to a psychologist, you're crazy. We're talking about this quite a lot, uh, you know, mental health. But then there is also the, the overdoing of things where just for every little – I think the, the pressure at school is crazy for kids to achieve. And I think it's that pressure that sends them on a downward spiral where if they could just be kids, you know, I mean, there's no time to just have fun because there's so much homework, there's so much for them to do. And I mean, I, I believe like some European countries and some schools, yeah, you don't have homework. You go to school, you might end at three or four o'clock, but once you get home, you're at home. There's, yeah. there's absolutely no homework for you. And this is, the, and also digital devices, I, th- I think that that also has a big impact on, on, no, the, definitely. on the youth. So I'm going to like ask you a few questions, underrated or overrated, and then you tell me why. Okay. So the first one is, do you think expensive cars are overrated or underrated? I don't know. I've got an expensive car. And, and <laughs> the thing is, as a kid, I had these... Lamborghini posters on my wall and I had all of them from the Kuntash to the Diablo and all I wanted was a Lamborghini and when I got into business I said to myself by the time I'm 35 I'm going to own a Lamborghini 35 came and went and I never owned a Lamborghini and for my 40th birthday I decided that there's there's always going to be something that I should be spending the money on other than a car but I just wanted it and so I bought myself my first Lamborghini, which was a Lamborghini Huracan. Wow. And yeah, really cool. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I had it for about three years. And then I crashed it at a tractor at Kalami. Uh, my brakes <laughs> failed down the main straight. Oh, and I hit the wall at 250 k's an hour. So yeah, I was very lucky to, to walk out of there. You were okay? With, yeah, I, I sort of dislocated my hips a bit and almost broke my nose on the on the airbag but I walked out of there Ooh, that is quite insane um uh, hopefully it's not something like that that you're driving right so now, now I've got a, a Lamborghini Urus oh my gosh <laughs> which is the 4x4 version of 
the latest 4x4 that Lamborghini has launched. And yeah, it's a really cool car. Okay, so we've established that. Underrated or overrated? High-level education? Oh, totally overrated. Okay. <laughs> I can. We already explained yourself on that one. Sleep? I think you definitely do need enough sleep, but I think enough for different people is different amounts. Um, I can get by on very little sleep when I need to, and I've got a lot of work on my plate. And my brain just keeps on turning. Even when I'm in bed, I'm thinking of business strategy stuff to do so i don't ever switch off just one of those things yeah it's like uh, what, what star sign are you libra libra maybe you're like under the gemini star sign somewhere i don't know how the galaxy works but i can i can send you to astrologer <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but but it's also sleep i think and um, they say that your neural network comes together in the evenings when you sleep and that's where your left brain and right brain and everything collides and all these ideas starts forming um in your sleep so i mean i don't i'm really i think i'm really not lucky i just think that i don't i don't ever stress about anything it doesn't matter where my businesses have been and I've could have been on the brink of bankruptcy, which I have been on numerous occasions, and my wife would never know because I'd come home, and once I get home, I can switch off How from work. How do you work. do that? I just can. Oh, that's a gift, though. That is a gift. And yeah, for me, business is very much almost like a chess game, and I need to be about five to eight moves ahead. And if I can think of all the possibilities and all the outcomes of the business decisions that I'm looking to make, I'll be ahead and I can prepare. And that's how I approach nearly every business venture or business decision. It's phenomenal. Have you watched The Queen's Gambit? I have. I loved it. Oh, it was incredible. It was like yeah. a one-day watch. It was just so phenomenal. And I read afterwards, apparently the scriptwriter was writing, I think for 10 years, before you felt that this is going to market. Yeah, that was an awesome movie. Eh? Hey? Just how she saw the moves when she looked up in the... And the, I mean, isn't it amazing? And like every apparently chess board sales increased like 57% yes. since that. Yeah, no, I mean, some people are really gifted. That's, that's a gift. Strategy, yes. Innovation, <laughs> yes. Chess, no. <laughs> okay, exercise. Definitely need exercise. I'm totally into health and vitality for my staff and that's really where the gym was born. When I built uh, the office block that we're in now, I decided that I'm going to put in a gym and it was really just dedicated to the staff. 800 square meter fitness facility just dedicated to my, my IUM staff and my staff from other businesses. And then it grew and grew and then I decided to make it available to the public as a boutique facility. And yeah, we're currently sitting with about one and a half thousand members. And the new facility that we move across to can take about between eight and 10,000 members. Social distancing? Yeah, no, we do social distancing. Oh no, you my. can't fit them in at once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've just seen eight to 10,000 people in one in the gym, and I'm just like, oh, settle. We're going to have a family meeting. <laughs> no, no, not all at once. So tell me what's going to happen at this gym because um, it's, there's a big buzz about um, body action gym, right? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of guys think that I'm crazy to, to launch a mega facility right now in the midst of COVID. The idea was born before COVID, um, and the market is really dominated by two players being Virgin Active and Planet Fitness. 
And I really just believe that there's, there's room for a third dynamic facility in the country. And so, yeah, I've definitely put my money where my mouth is. Um, the new facility, the fit-out is probably in excess of about 120 million. Sure. Um, it's a 5,000 square meter um, state-of-the-art facility, a Technodrome facility, which is an Italian brand, probably the best brand in the world. We've taken all their latest and greatest equipment. And yeah, we've got everything from boxing academy to basketball courts to CrossFit to sprint tracks to weights area. I mean, we've got it all. What I loved is is the basketball because it's starting to become relevant here in South Africa. Like people are starting to watch this at NBA. Like- yeah, listen, I, I mean, it's not a, a full-size court, but really just for guys to go outside and and shoot some hoops and oh, mess nice. around. Why not? Um, we had the space. And yeah, one of the, the big attractions with the gym is really going to be about the experience that you have when you're at the club. I think our current gyms have really got stale. Um, the gym used to be the place where you go and meet your friends and it used to be really social. And now it's you just go and do your workout and, and leave. So our experience in the gym is going to be really unique. I've really geared it as a like a club like a house club at night. So wow. we've spent a lot of money on sound and lighting. We've got a DJ station. We've got a resident house DJs, uh, the Kassam brothers. They really are well-known in South Africa. They're known as Cinnamon. And to start off twice a week in the evenings, we're going to have jam sessions for two hours. And yeah, we've got smoke machines, haze machines, lasers. Like, we've, we've got it all. You know what I liked um, when I did my research was the uh, – the, the, the spinning class because it's so immersive yeah so spinning is also really cool it's also um, the instructor has the ability to dim the lights switch on the strobes and the lights go in tune with the music and um, you can really get into a, a really good spinning session with if you set the right scene oh my gosh this is just so insane look I, I've just started doing gym so I'm taking it easy but when it opens I'm definitely going to go by and go and check it out but now I wanted to just go quickly to So I'm a connected marketer. So for me, it's all about merging the physical, digital, and emotional and sensorial experiences. Sensorial. Sensorial, yeah. And it's bringing it all together to create one brand experience in everything that you do. So there's a physical, digital, emotional, and sensorial element to everything. And this is what the gym is. And it's coming to life. And in the olden days, gyms used to be a thing, you know, where it's a networking environment. I think COVID has changed a lot of that. But it almost seems like you're bringing that back because I think you have a, a kids section. So we've got a really awesome kids facility. We're going to have kids classes, uh, instructors. Uh, the kids section has got an inside section and an outside section. And I really think also one of our big keys to the success is all our various instructors that we have that are going to be doing group classes. I think at any one time, we would have any one of six classes running at any one time, being from aerobics to high-intensity training, spinning, yoga, Pilates, boxing, CrossFit, which is really all included in your in your membership fee. Yeah, and, and what I like about um, this gym, it just sounds like there's something for everybody and it's bringing all the best of what's in the world all under one room. Um, and I think that's what really makes it exciting. You did launch quite a controversial um, campaign for this, hey? I just want Which to tell one? you. Which one? I've launched many. Oh, my gosh. I saw the, the, the on, on your website the uh, the Nike about the shoes. I was like, oh, my gosh. Did they approve that? 
No, they didn't. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the one with the aliens. No. Oh my gosh, I'm just scared to so ask. That wasn't for for the launch of this gym, but it was for the gym. And I had this. Uh, it said in big, the aliens are coming, and I had this like it was almost like a cartoon. It had this flying saucer beaming up, and it said. <laughs> they'll take the fat ones first and you've got this like <laughs> fat person getting beamed up oh, and it Lord. was like encouraging people to go and train and we had yeah i had serious pushback uh, from the community on that yeah but you like that you like I controversy do. hey it, I, um, I think it feels I did another you. campaign where our our slogan was for planet people who have lost their virginity <laughs> and were like it was a dig at planet and and virgin active at the same time Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. now I see the thread. And now we have 12 disciples. Yeah. 12 disciples of health. The disciples of health at the moment. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, no, we've had a little bit of pushback in the streets when my guys are handing out brochures, but it's, <laughs> it's good to be controversial. I think so. And I think, I mean, I, I work a lot with um, John Flismus, and John Flismus just goes completely in opposite direction. And he swims upstream and very controversial, and it really works. And I also think you repel the people that don't need to hear your message and you attract the people that really needs to get the message. Definitely. Um, one of the important things um, I learned from public speaking is in the beginning, I used to get so upset when people didn't agree with what I was saying on stage. And I was like, I put so much effort into this talk. And I'm <laughs> everything. And now, why are you not? But there's that showing this. I'm all about the data and God we trust the rest must bring the data. And then... Um, my one friend turned around, she's an actress, and she says to me, Carmen, you know, when people don't like what you have to say, it's the best thing in the world because that means they're thinking more about you. Definitely. So that's, that's a very, very, very clever strategy. Um, and I know that health represents like, you know, you, you guys are teaching healthy habits, which you practice, exercise, which you practice, and there's going to be so many activities, lifestyle for the family, and it's all about transformation and being helpful, you know. And I think kudos to you and being brave, because I want to try and understand what on earth were you thinking to continue with this massive project? Yeah, I just think I'm going to hit the market at exactly the right time. So I'm, I've got a total different way, I think. And like I said before, I think our current gyms have got stale and um, I think it's been easy for them to attract members. And I think for a player uh, like Body Action to come into the market and really when I say it's the first six-star gym, I really mean it. We have spared no expense on mm. this facility. It's, it's just going to be something that guys have never seen before. How are you going to scale it? Are you going to... Um, move it around the country? Or? Yeah, so the next side to Santon, um, it's a toss-up between Hyde Park and Morningside. Then we'll move to Pretoria and then on to Cape Town. Because it's a six-star facility, there really are only certain areas that can take a gym like this. Mm. Um, the membership fees are not are not cheap and they're, they're not overly expensive, but the area needs to be able to take that type of membership fee. And I think once I've got the concept uh, working in South Africa, I definitely want to have a stab at taking it to the States. I've been all over the States, and I think South Africans don't realize how spoiled we are with the gym facilities that we have here. It really just isn't like that overseas. Um, when you walk into a Virgin Active or Planet Fitness and you just take for granted that that's the quality that you're going to get overseas, it's really not. They've got these little small, dingy 
Dav, Rocky Balboa type gyms all over the place. And even the big brands like Gold Gym, there's no standard. So you can go into one Gold's Gym and it looks okay, and then you go into another one and it's a dive. So I think there really is an opportunity. If you can get it right, it really is hard to break into the overseas market. And a lot of our South African gyms have tried and failed. But I think if you can get it right, it's a great market to, to get into. I also really believe that there is really power in, in really knowing and having that vision and being a visionary. Because if you don't have the vision, the rest of your team can't see it. Oh, no, listen, I, I have it often that my team can't see what the hell I'm doing. And <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they just think I'm crazy. Um, and then eventually as we go down the line, then they go like, oh, okay, we see why you did that. So yeah, you do need to you do need to be able to see into the future, and I think that's one of the keys to my success. And I really having good EQ. I think EQ mm. is so important uh, in dealing with people in business. Mm. You sound I've got a very strong intuition, though. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. I can't <laughs> tell your future though. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's other people for that. Um, okay, so I'm um, just on a side note. So as a billionaire. Billionaire. Well, you, 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 billion dollar company. Okay, billion dollar company. Billion Sorry. rand company. Billion rand. Okay, but the, you've got a vision. You're going to 10 billion. Okay. <laughs> you make more than Trump. Please make more than Trump. <laughs> and I, like, like, I like Trump. No. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's my not, gosh. Not I'm go not there. publishing. We are not publishing this episode. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, on a serious note, it's just like, uh, I think there's this misconception when people are billionaire, everybody wants that. Then they go, oh, I want to do that. But the hard journey to get there. The hard journey is doing the same thing over and over every day. There's a book called, I think it's called 10,000 Hours, and you can become great at anything if you put 10,000 hours into it. And I think that's what young people and a lot of people don't realize is that getting to the top is really being good at consistency and really just doing the same thing over and over, and eventually you become great. Mm, Totally. Well, I'm, I'm very honored that I had the opportunity to chat to you, but I am going to ask you one question. Okay. Can my audience like, get a special like, sign-up if they're in Johannesburg, in the Johannesburg area, to your gym? Yeah, they can. So at the moment, we are running a special uh, up until we open. So we open in May, and up until then, we're running a special of six ninety five per person. As opposed uh, to? As opposed to nine ninety five. Oh, that's reasonable. For everything you're getting, I thought it's going to be like three thousand or something. You did really make it no, sound no, like we've, that. we've made it. Uh, we've made it affordable. Okay, so what we'll do, guys, if you check in the description of the show notes below, you'll find the link and then just access it. And then if you're on the area, go and check it out. I'm sure there's going to be so many activities. And yeah, we're going to have a big open day. So we're going to have all our DJs there. We're going to have activities throughout the day, from the morning into the evening. So uh, we're really quite excited, and we'll be advertising that close to the time. Fantastic stuff. I love it. Well, thank you so much for affording me your time because I really admire people that go through the struggle and walk the walk and talk the talk. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye now. You've been listening to The Carmen Murray Show, another solid gold podcast. Please take a moment to rate and share this episode with friends and colleagues who love customer experience and marketing just as much as you do. To connect with Carmen, visit CarmenMurray.com, where you will find links to her business services, future fit events, and biz community articles. 
Carmen Murray is CEO of Uya Modern Marketing Services that empower businesses to deliver premium customer experiences, B2B, B2C, and B2B2C across all industries. Some of these services include research, CX strategy, persona development and customer journey mapping, CX audits, UX audits, and the connected marketer training in connected customer experiences, mobile, data management, and AI. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.